0: I was once in a conversation with a believer in christ that didn't believe we needed to continue with the practice of tithing she said that's a tradition from the old testament and it doesn't need to be followed anymore so she doesn't tithe we agreed to disagree about this because i believe in tithing and still do well who's right in this episode of groundwork we will not only look at the concept of tithing but stewardship in general so that we may know what god requires of us stay tuned Welcome to Groundwork, where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we are in part three of our four-part series on God and money, on finances, and how our believers are supposed to look at money and what they're supposed to do to actually bring glory to God. So in the first episode, we talked about what the Old Testament says. And in the second episode, we talked about what the New Testament says. And in this episode, we're going to talk about the concepts of stewardship and tithing. And
1: this episode will be both Old and New Testament, uh, because as you just said at the opener, Daryl, some people think tithing is old. It's Old Testament, Hebrew, ancient Israel stuff, but not for the church, not today. So we're going to try to say that, uh, no, it's actually part of the whole Bible. It, it is rooted in the Old Testament, but it's pretty clear from what Jesus says, from what Paul and other writers in the New Testament say, that it is still relevant but we want to begin we're not we'll go to tithing in the next part of this program we're going to begin with uh that first concept you mentioned daryl stewardship and a foundational text for understanding what it means to be a steward is psalm 24 verse 1 the earth is the lord's and everything in it
0: It's God's world, not ours. Exactly. So because he owns everything, no Christian can say, this is my money. I'm going to do what I want to do with it. Uh, The scripture specifically says that even the very body of a Christian belongs to Christ because he bought it with a price. So there is no mine and my and me. It's really about God and it always will be for the believer. But just to give a working definition of the word steward, a steward is a person who is called to or has been entrusted with a possession, let's say an estate, they're not the owner of the estate, but they act On behalf. They've been given the authority of the owner to take care of the estate and they work in the best interest of the person who owns the estate. So if you see that concept, you see how easily it translates to how God wants us to relate to uh, things that we own, possessions, money, um, relationships. They're actually his and we are stewards. So we act on the behalf of the owner, whatever we do should honor him.
1: Probably in most of our lives, we don't have a parallel to this, though. Some very um, wealthy people who have been very blessed with a lot of wealth, they will have a financial manager who works for them. They actually pay this person to help them manage their money. It's not their money. It's not the manager. It's not the steward. This is like a steward. It's not the steward's money. It belongs to the owner. But the steward needs to act in accord with what the owner wants or he probably will find himself out of a job if he squanders the money or gives it to a cause that the owner doesn't believe in that'll be the end of his career well the earth is the lord's and everything in it so what we do with what we have is uh, reflective of god's will because we recognize it's god's money it's god's house it's god's
0: planet And God has clearly communicated what he wants us to do. So if he wants us to spend it, we'll spend it. If he wants us to save it, we save it. If he wants us to give it, we give it. Um, But not everybody hears a booming voice from heaven. So that's why the financial advisor that you mentioned was good, because he puts people around us that could actually help us practically. We can learn from family members. We can learn from them. We can learn from investors. But then in Scripture, we can see that he teaches these things on how a believer is supposed to interact with money. And there is one right here in 1 Timothy 6 of an example.
1: Timothy is a young pastor um, working, uh, we think, uh, in Ephesus, and uh, Paul has this to recommend to Pastor Timothy, 1 Timothy 6, starting at verse 17, command, strong word, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God, who richly provides us with everything for our enjoyment. Command the rich to do good, to be rich in good deeds, to be generous and willing to share. In this way, they will lay up treasures for themselves as a firm foundation for the coming age so that they may take hold of the life that is truly
0: life. It's beautiful how in the last episode we talked about Jesus saying store up treasures in heaven, but he didn't exactly say practically Mm. how to do it. But then Paul gets the revelation and gives it to Timothy and tells him practically how people who have an abundance of resources are supposed to store those treasures up and also to not put their hope in wealth because God is our source, Lord, capital L. That's the Lord Jesus and not mammon or money. So we put our hope in him and not in the things that we have.
1: Jesus says something like that. What you just said, Daryl, in Luke 12, there's this uh, incident where somebody, Jesus, is talking about something else. But suddenly out of nowhere, this guy who's got a grudge with his brother, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Uh, But Jesus just says, I'm not going to do that. But then he tells us a little parable. The land of a rich man produced plentifully. And he thought to himself, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. Then I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, fool, This night your soul is required of you and the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is for the one who lays up treasure for himself but is not rich toward
0: God. And in this story, Jesus is saying, in essence, don't work so hard that you gain the whole world and lose your soul Mm. because your soul it's priceless there's no price you can put on it and because this man in the parable was so focused on possessions and hoarding them and greeding them he built a bigger barn for himself but these things are what we're supposed to stay away from as a matter of fact Paul puts greed in the middle of a long list of things that we're supposed to be staying away from and moving away from as believers in Christ and God wants our character and heart to change by helping us to understand what contentment is.
1: Clearly, although Jesus doesn't spell it out in that parable in Luke 12 we just looked at, but obviously uh, the man who was successful isn't condemned for being successful. He's condemned for saying, I'm going to keep it all for me. I don't have enough room for all this stuff. He should have said... (laughs) I'm going to give it away. I'm going to open a stand at the farmer's market and sell stuff and for free. You know, It's just going to be a free-for-all um, because God has clearly given me enough to share with others. No, instead he said, I'm set for life. And Jesus says, N- you are set for this life but not for the next one. And that's the only one that's going to last.
0: Unfortunately, if we are not careful, then our possessions will become more important to me than they should. But Paul actually has a remedy to this in Philippians four, where he talks about being content, whatever the circumstance he says, picking up verse 11, he says, not that I am speaking of being in need for, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content I know what it is to be brought low. I know what it is to abound. And in every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And so we see that Paul is entrusting himself to God. He is the one to making sure that he doesn't need to take matters into his own hands, whether he has a lot of things or a few things. And now the question is, how do we honor the Lord with it? So coming up next, we're going to talk about that. Stay tuned. We're glad you've joined our Groundwork conversation. If you're enjoying today's discussion and want to download or listen again, you can find the audio podcast and transcript for this episode on our website, groundworkonline.com. Want to dig deeper? You can also find episode guides and blogs available to supplement your study. Curious about another episode or series we've mentioned? Search our episode library to find hundreds of conversations about God's Word and what it means for God's people today. Add your voice to our Groundwork conversation by visiting groundworkonline.com. And thank you. Support from listeners like you makes Groundwork possible.
1: You're listening to Groundwork,
0: where we dig into scripture to lay the foundation for our lives. I'm Scott Jose. And I'm Daryl Delaney. And Scott, we have been talking about the concept of stewardship and how we know that the steward is not the owner and the steward acts on behalf of the owner because the owner is entrusted the steward with a resource. And the steward is to do their best to honor the wishes of the owner. And if that is God... The owner and the steward is us, and the resource is money. We're called to honor God with it. It's
1: God's money, so we treat it like it's God's money, right? If we said if you're a financial manager for a wealthy person, if you're a financial advisor, you do with the rich man's money what the rich man wants you to do, not your own idea. We do with God's money what God wants us to do, and that's where tithing uh, comes in. I do like in that passage we looked at at the end of the last part of the program from Philippians 4, where twice when Paul talking about you know having things or not having things choices is I've learned there it is. to be content. I like that because he didn't say oh it's easy to be content you know yeah just you know just here's three easy steps. no I have learned it we all have to learn it and I think in this segment of this program we're talking about how can we learn to treat money like it's Gods and tithing, giving some of it away is is part of that And this idea a tithe is a tenth. Right? right. That's what I mean. So we always say, you know, you think about, about every hundred dollars, ten dollars is God's. That'd be a tenth. Right. Right. If somebody earns one hundred thousand a year, giving ten thousand away to the church to charity or a combination of things would be a tithe. We find that all over the place in the Old Testament, Daryl.
0: We see it in Leviticus, chapter 27. It says a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. It also says the same thing about tithing in numbers chapter 18, where it says the Lord says to Moses, speak to the Levites and say to them, when you receive from the Israelites, the tithe I give you as your inheritance, you must present a 10th of that tithe as the Lord's offering. Your offering will be reckoned to you as grain from the threshing floor or juice from the wine press. And this way you will also, so present an offering to the Lord from all the tithes you receive from the Israelites. From these tithes, you must give the Lord's possession to Aaron the priest. So, in that situation, you see that the priests are actually given the provision of the tithe to live off of. But
1: even they take only a 10 of that, right? So the Israelites give a 10th of their produce, right? They didn't They didn't give uh, dollars and cents. Right. They, they gave grain. And so they gave a 10th, you know, and the Levites lived off a 10th of that, right? So the, the Levites tithed on what they were given too. So there was a tithe on a tithe on a tithe. The idea is drilled into them. This is God's stuff. This is God's olive oil. This is God's wine. Yep. This is God's grain and bread. Please see it that way. See it that way as a way to honor God really in a way this goes back to the Cain and Abel story you know yeah. where Abel gave the firstborn of his flock but we're told uh, Cain gave only some of the fruits of the land not the first fruits that was God's way of saying, and Abel's sacrifice was accepted Cain's wasn't Because Abel was seeing the world through the God lens and uh, Cain was seeing the world through a greed lens. I'm going to keep the best for myself. It's mine after all. I I grew this stuff, right? I'll give God something, but not the best. So we're supposed to learn how to trust God above all. And that's why tithing becomes an act of worship in the Old Testament. There's also this thing that I just throw in here, Daryl, of the concept of the Sabbath, where for one day a week, and then in Israel, it's supposed to be for one year, whole year out of every seven, you stopped. Yeah. You just stopped producing. You stopped earning as a way to remind yourself, it's God who takes care of me, not me, right? Yeah, I'm called to work hard, of course. God works through my efforts. But one day a week, one year out of every seven, I'm just going to do a full stop and trust God to provide. Because he's the one who does it all the time anyway, and I just need to remind myself.
0: It's a beautiful thing to be reminded that we're supposed to trust in the Lord uh, because it is him who actually makes the production happen. It's not just what we do that makes the production happen. And when you stop and you see that, do you know that God is the one who's in his providential care? He's taking care of us. Actually in the book of Proverbs it says honor the Lord with your wealth and the first fruit of your increase Mm -hmm. and then your bonds will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. But to honor them with the first fruits, the tenth is supposed to be the first and the best of that. That's what they said in the Old Testament but they also have things in the New Testament that talk about giving.
1: Well exactly and you opened this program by relating a conversation you had with somebody who said oh tithing is an Old Testament thing. That's not for the church so I'm not going to do it. Well Here's Paul in 2 Corinthians 9. Remember this, he says at verse 6, Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things and at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So this is the New Testament now and and Paul is saying, look, for believers in Jesus, it's sort of the same thing. God has given us everything by his grace. We get in on the action by giving away what we have to the poor. We want to be ge- God was generous with us, let's be generous with each other. And so the idea of giving, giving freely, giving cheerfully, God loves a cheerful giver, one of the more famous verses in the New Testament. That's not Old Testament stuff, Paul says, that's for the church today.
0: For those who are looking for the literal word, Tithe in the New Testament, mm. it's not there. But Paul is using the word give, or he's using the word offering. And you're supposed to, the idea is to look at what God has done for you and think about how grateful you are that He has done those things. And out of that gratitude, out of that appreciation, you want to be a blessing to someone. I'm not saying that everyone has to do what Barnabas did and bring all your possessions to the apostles' feet, but I am saying that you should look at how God has blessed you. And how do you want to be a blessing to someone else, whether monetarily or with time or with other things, you're supposed to return the favor and be a blessing because you were blessed.
1: And I like that Paul does say in 2 Corinthians 9, verse 7, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give. Now, clearly, Paul wants you to decide on the generous side, right? Sure. But I think, you know, we've been pastors, both of us, Daryl, and, you know, sometimes for some people, I mean, so maybe they're they're putting three or so kids through a school, a Christian school that has a tuition. Maybe they've brought in a foster child that they're taking care of. And so some of their their, their money is going through these good things. Yeah. And for them, if they actually gave 10% of what's left after that they would be giving so much away they'd need help from the deacons themselves right it's like give 10% if you can, and a lot of us can, if we're honest, right? We actually can. Right. But if doing that would actually put you in such need that the rest of us would have to bail you out all over again, well, be wise. If it's 8%, okay. Uh, because you're giving money to the Christian school, or you're giving money to a foster child, or you know whatever it, whatever it may be. As we said uh, in the previous program, when Jesus saw a widow give her last penny because the Pharisees told her she had to, he was indignant. She shouldn't have to have done that. And nobody should have told her to impoverish herself, then go home and die. So Paul does say, yeah, wisdom here. But whatever you decide in your heart, make sure it's as generous as you can prudently be. But coming up next and closing out this program, let's look at how we live in the light of this information and look at just some real practical ideas. So stay tuned.
0: What does it look like to honor and serve God in your marriage and family? Visit FamilyFire.com to discover how you can better live out your faith in the context of your relationships. At FamilyFire.com, you'll find articles and devotions curated to encourage you to stoke the Holy Spirit's flame in your home. You'll also find an online community that can help you explore what it means to follow the Holy Spirit's lead in your family as a spouse, parent, or even an in-law. Join the community and be encouraged at FamilyFire.com. I'm Daryl Delaney with Scott Jose, and you're listening to Groundwork, and we have been talking about in this third episode about stewardship and tithing and being the ones that understand that stewards don't own the things that they're entrusted with, that God is the one who owns all the things, that we are actually acting in his best interest, that's how we live. And then in the concept of tithing, even though there are some who feel they need to do exactly the 10%, God literally understands the circumstances in your heart concerning these things, and he wants us to actually be uh, obedient to being generous and move away from greed, even if it moves us away from the actual 10% number, that we are still to serve him with our money.
1: All of this has been covered in this program, but let's just sort of bring it together so we uh, can practically think about it in our everyday lives. Number one, God owns everything. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, Psalm 24, verse 1. Or the theme of the book of Deuteronomy, which we looked at in the first episode, God is the one who gives us the ability to make wealth. So we, as you just said, we're stewards. And we never think, it's my money. I can do
0: with it whatever I want, which is what society tells us, right? No,
1: it's God's, and so we are
0: stewards. That's point number one. And point number two is that God calls us to be generous and watch out for greed. In the last episode, you talked about the evil eye that Mm -hmm. comes when you gaze upon people who either make more than you or you're comparing or you're coveting what they have. And this greed is also equated to idolatry. According to Paul, he always puts it in a long list of things that we're supposed to avoid, that are things of the world and that we're not supposed to be a part of. And also John does that in first John, two. We talked about that in the last episode where lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes and the pride of life, these things along with greed are part of the patterns of this world that we're supposed to be getting away from because none of that is going to honor our Lord.
1: Greed is traditionally one of the seven deadly sins which we've talked about in other series here on Groundwork and greed is a sin because it leads directly to idolatry. In fact in the New Testament it says that watch out for greed which is idolatry Mm -hmm. Paul says. So he he links it directly. Uh, Greed makes you worship money as though it It were God and God were not God to be consumed with hoarding our money uh, or Jesus' parable from Luke 12 of the man who instead of giving away his excess, built a bigger barn to keep it all to himself. That's what greed does to us. We're encouraged to be greedy in our society, but it remains a deadly sin. Because it leads to the King Midas syndrome, right? Or King Midas wanted it so that everything he touched was gold. And that was great. You know, he touched his coffee cup and it became a gold coffee cup, you know. And he touched uh, his watch and it became a gold watch. And then one day his daughter came in and he hugged her and she turned into a gold Mm. statue. And so the lesson of King Midas is, yeah, all that he had was gold. But in the end, all that he had was gold. (laughs) So be warned by that. Point three, wisdom. So we're stewards. We're called to avoid greed, and thirdly, Daryl, we're called to
0: be wise. So Scripture tells us that we're not supposed to strike hands with someone too quickly, especially if they have like debt responsibilities. Proverbs eleven fifteen says, "Whoever puts up security for a stranger will suffer, but whoever refuses to shake hands and pledges." is safe and then that verse it's one extreme where okay it's not the responsibility of someone who has more money than you to bail you out if you haven't been a good steward of your finances that's not their responsibility it's your responsibility to learn what it means to be a steward and honor the Lord with your finances on the other hand you can't be so tight-fisted if you will that you will not give to anything we wouldn't have any philanthropy we wouldn't have any community organizations if it wasn't for the generosity of people giving programs like this happened because people give. And so God uses this money to be a blessing to the kingdom.
1: If this uh, groundwork series on the Christian believer's attitude toward money has a theme so far through the first three episodes, Daryl, it is striking that balance that, that the Bible everywhere assumes that. Even followers of God in ancient Israel, followers of Jesus and in the church in the New Testament, we do own things. We will have things. And if that weren't the assumption, then the Bible in Proverbs, the verse you just said in other verses of Proverbs, wouldn't call us to be wise about financial decisions. Right. We wouldn't have to be wise about our finances if we weren't supposed to have any. No, we will. But be wise. Don't make dumb deals where you're going to lose your shirt but don't refuse to make good deals where you can be generous and genuinely help somebody. Don't build bigger barns when you got too much, give it away, right? So to be wise. And then our fourth point as we close out this program, which has also come out in the other ones, don't put your hope in money. Don't let your highest trust in life be financial.
0: Yes, so we need to understand, I think Christians already know this, is that God is our source. And money is merely a resource. If we put that in the proper perspective, then we will understand that God is the one that takes care of us. And so when you don't have money, when you do have money, when you have a a little bit more bills than you would like, you can still find that our providential care comes from God and he can still look after us, even when we are feeling kind of uncertain. Because true security doesn't come from finances. It comes from our Lord.
1: You know, I've had the privilege of knowing some very, very wealthy people who were Christian believers. And, you know, they were in some ways, as we said a moment ago, uh, the, the the man in the parable in Luke 12. These are people who were literally set for life. I mean, th- they had so much money that, you know, they would earn money doing nothing, just the interest on their money. Uh, but they fretted all the time about giving enough away, setting up a foundation, giving it away, because they wanted to remind themselves and others, hey, I do have more money than I could ever even spend. It's almost impossible for me to give sacrificially, I have so much money, but I need to know, and you need to know that I know, it's not my Lord, it's not my ultimate hope and security, that's only Jesus. And he says to be generous, so I'm gonna do everything I can to be generous. And many of us are in a position to do that. We're responsible stewards, we avoid the sin of greed, we make sure all our hope is in Jesus and in God alone, because indeed, He gives us everything, thanks be
0: to God. Well, thanks for listening and digging deeply into Scripture with Groundwork. We're your host, Gerald Delaney with Scott Jose, and we hope you'll join us again next time as we conclude our study of what Scripture teaches about money by discussing what God is doing and teaching us about providence. Together, we'll discuss what it means to believe God provides for us and how this belief informs how we pray about money and finances. Connect with us at groundworkonline.com to share what Groundwork means to you or to tell us what you'd like to hear discussed next on Groundwork.
1: Groundwork is a listener-supported program produced by Reframe Ministries. Visit reframeministries.org for more information. Our recording engineer is Dodd Morris and our post-production
0: supervisor is John Reeder. Our senior producer is Courtney Jacob.